Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. The main thing I, I really have come to appreciate is not having to hurry and the opportunity to um, look into new things. I, I've got an old uh, Peugeot tandem bike sitting in my garage here, and I have very rarely gotten to ride it. So I'm planning on getting that thing on the road. And I'm uh, thinking about maybe getting into the rowing club over at U of L, um, and um, maybe even taking some classes at U of L. Just doing, um, just doing stuff that I never had time to do before. Just enjoying life, uh, you know. To hopefully I can live it in my next, uh, well, 20, 30, 40 years, however long I got left. And that was a little bit from today's guest, who has been a leader in the field of assistive technologies for a long, long time. And he recently made a big change in his life. We'll speak with Larry Scootcon about his life as a technologist and his work on many programs, including Studio Recorder, Bookport Reader, Mantis Braille Display, etc. And also about his transition to retirement. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Larry Scootcon. My tip is probably the same one I gave you the last time I was on the show, and that is to try to find something that you enjoy to do. And if you can also make it something that helps other people at the same time and and increases your enjoyment, all the better. But that's the key to uh, happiness, I think, if happiness is important, is to... uh, find something that really makes you tick. And I, and I, I can, I'm lucky enough to say that I've always had jobs, especially in the technology field that uh, I love to do. I, I had a couple of funky jobs when I was in high school, hauling hay and, and cleaning out chicken houses and stuff that weren't so great, but uh, <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta pay the, the dues, but uh, if you can find something that you can enjoy to do and actually look forward to um, getting into uh, work every day or getting out to your desk, your, your life will be so much more satisfying. So that's my tip of the day. And it sounds like you're continuing that into your retirement activities. Sure trying to, Nancy. That's that's the idea. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by the Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired, offering the 2021 New Venture Business Competition to help blind entrepreneurs turn their ideas into actual startups. More information and submission criteria are at www.hadley.edu slash nvc. And by NaviLens, a four-color QR code designed to be located and read from up to 60 feet away without the need to focus on it. Now, using augmented reality, NaviLens 360 Vision locates the NaviLens codes in a 3D space available for iPhone and soon for Android. More at N-A-V-I-L-E-N-S dot com. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Larry. 
Larry, you've been on Eyes on Success a number of times now, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and some of the big changes you just went through. Yep, absolutely. Uh, the name's Larry Scootcon. I uh, have been blind since I was 20 and been in the industry for the last 35, 40 years. And then recently... Uh, and then just in August, I retired and uh, haven't really even done anything with a computer except email and browsing, just like a normal person. <laughs> but I am going to get back into it once I get organized here. <laughs> now, you were at the American Printing House as your last job. What was your role there? I was a director of technology product research. So we were developing apps and hardware, uh, a lot of the educational products that came from APH uh, for the last <laughs> 35 years. So, well, let's say all the uh, tech products <laughs> I had my finger in at least. And we've interviewed you about several of those. So if people want to learn more about the specific products, they can go back and listen to you some more. Absolutely. Yeah. As you mentioned, you've been working there for approximately 35 years on and off. What prompted you to retire? That had to be a tough decision. It was hard and easy at the same time. That's a great question, though. Um, I've been considering it the last few years and just didn't feel like I was uh, financially able to do it. And, um, you know, for the, about the last 10 years or so, I don't know if I told you guys this the last time I was on or not, but I've been, uh, my son-in-law and I have been buying houses and not flipping them, but renovating them and then renting them out. Ah. So that kind of gave us a little bit of a cushion and, you know, stock markets turned out kind of good over the last few years. So I thought, you know, I've been working since I was 13 years old, delivering papers, working in a butcher shop, doing an oil rig. I, I've done it all. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? It's time for Larry now. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I got to tell you, the one thing, Pete and Nancy, that I really didn't expect is that it feels so good to be able to enjoy to do things without feeling like you're neglecting something or feeling like you have to be in a hurry or having pressure. You know, I was, uh, even when I was uh, going to work every morning, I got up an hour or two early just so I could piddle around a little bit. <laughs> but, you know, it was always, oh, I can't, I can't spend too much time on this. I can get to work. Yeah, when you have those responsible jobs, you really feel like you're on the spot and you don't have <laughs> yeah. time for yourself sometimes. Uh, you do. <laughs> so I'm planning on getting into all kinds of things that I've had my eye on for many years and looking forward to it. Well, it sounds like you're thoroughly enjoying retirement. Absolutely. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Larry Skutkan's life, his long career, and his new venture in retirement. 
Today, we want to talk to you, Larry, about your journey through life, what inspired you as a youth, and how you came to work in the field of assistive technologies. And then we'll talk a little bit about your retirement also. But going blind when you were about 20, I was wondering how that impacted you and your parents. You know, like I said, I was 20 before I lost my sight, so I wasn't uh, living with my parents still, but I was close to them, and they always treated me with, um, you know, not trying to coddle me or baby me or anything. So I, I didn't get the experience of growing up or going to high school. I did go to college as a blind student. Uh, I was already married and, and um, having children on the way, but... Um, yeah, wasn't no coddling going around. It was uh, you, you, you bust it and do it. <laughs> it's the only way. Yeah, sometimes that's the only way to get through things, to realize you can do things yourself and really become independent. Absolutely. Now, you said you went through college blind. I understand you got a degree as an English major, but then eventually turned into technology and coding and all kinds of stuff like that. How did that transition happen? Uh, yep, I was doing English and political science and uh, loved to write. And the last year I was in school, uh, I had been doing all my writing on a typewriter, but the Apple IIe was just coming out and I got hold of one of those and uh, it captured my imagination so intensely. Well, actually, I started out with a TI-994A. I wrote a little screen reader for that thing that you would wrap around other programs you wrote. <laughs> now, Pete, this was back in the day when you recorded your software onto a cassette tape on oh, the thing, and I, I thought that, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, those big... cassette tapes were horrible, but they were a huge improvement. Yeah, they were better than retyping it every time, weren't they? <laughs> or, or putting it on punch cards. So what prompted you to write that first program? I mean, you really didn't have a background in programming or anything. None. RFB&D saved my bacon. They they had uh, books, and I, I laugh to this day. The readers in them, um, ASCII was ASC2. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and for those who don't know, ASCII is an acronym, so it's spelled in all capitals, A-S-C-I-I, and so those who didn't know what that meant were pronouncing it as A-S-C-2. And for those who may not know, Larry referred to RFB&D, which back in the day was called Recording for the Blind and Dyslexic, and they primarily recorded books for students, textbooks. Then these days, their new name is Learning Ally. Yeah, it was just something that was interesting to me. I ordered books from RFB&D and NLS um, about speech synthesis and, and how to get started with programming. And uh, what I really wanted to do was write a word processor. And when that Apple IIe came along, and I really wanted to do that so that I could write. And, uh, oh, it made it so much better, just the freedom to be able to, I know this sounds trivial now to us, but the freedom be it, to be able to uh, write something down and read it back and edit it was so liberating. It was uh, transformative. I'll bet, because as a blind person, if you wrote stuff in Braille, it was hard to 
edit and rewrite. You just couldn't cross out things and cut and paste like you could with computers these days. And you also couldn't share it with sighted people very easily. Well, and then if you use the typewriter, you just had to blast it all out on one, in one setting, you know? Right. <laughs> but yeah, I, in fact, on this word processor, I, I started getting a little, um, oh, ambitious, I guess, uh, and started making it where you could move from sentence to sentence instead of, um, you know, lines on the screen. I kind of figured, well, it's kind of dumb. I don't really need lines on the screen. But that idea to be able to move from thought to thought, I think, really helped me with my writing. And, uh, of course, you can do that with screen readers now. But uh, Well, back then you couldn't. <laughs> no. <but laughs> That's right. So, yeah, I, um, I really wrote that for my own use. This was back when the, uh, you know, computers weren't really in education very much. This was in the mid-80s, probably. And uh, I had sold that program to the Kentucky Department for the Blind so that they could use it for medical transcribers. And the man that was head of the department there, Fred Gazzoni, lived, uh, well, actually, he ends up, he lived right down the street from where I'm at right now. But APH was looking for somebody to uh, start a, uh, you know, a technology department, and uh, he recommended me. I went down there to interview, and we fell in love with each other. I, I was just getting out of school, um, you know, and kind of looking around for a job, and uh, went there and stayed for years and years. Um, I did leave there for a while to work on a screen reader called ASAP. It was a DOS screen reader. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know what, Pete? I want to do another screen reader using AI and not necessarily a screen reader, but I'm going to call it a scene reader. So you could use it on a computer screen just as well as anything without having to care about how it's coded. The concept of a scene reader sounds quite broad. What do you mean? What the idea is, and it's a simple one, you, you, you both can uh, appreciate this. You know, if a designer can make an interface that an average human can go up to and use, it should be possible to let AI interpret that. And the hard part, of course, is going to be getting that information to the user. But once you get past using it with a computer screen, you know, we're talking about all kinds of interfaces now. In fact, I, we just, uh, part of this remodel of our house, we put in a new um, Samsung induction cooktop and a wall oven. And I was expecting to be able to use the app to control them both. But uh, I'm, I'm working with Samsung on that right now. But, you know, if you had something that you could point your finger to, have the thing be smart enough to, you know, it'll, it would know what's behind your finger. Um, you should be able to get it to describe to you what, not only what you're pointing at, but what the reaction is to your touch. And then if you think about it and take it to the next step, you're really talking about interpreting the real uh, physical environment. So you could start out with a description of graphics on a computer and, 
you know, you would, you would have to be able to nudge it to let the description know how detailed you want it to be or what's your particular interest in the subject of that photograph or whatever it happened to be. But then once that was perfected, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to use that in the real environment, walking, uh, using it for navigation or uh, reading the signs in the environment or, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure you've done this. Uh, you get the biggest kick out of using seeing AI going down uh, the aisles. In fact, my favorite aisle uh, is the fishing lure aisle at Walmart for some crazy names. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know the the ability to be able to read signs as you're going through and that's you know that's just the words um you know if you could have some way of getting the layout and getting that description to you and admittedly it would be terribly difficult to do it with audio but, um, you know, sort of the next frontier of this whole progression is with the tactile senses. And uh, unfortunately, we've still got a long way to go for that. But, you know, it's not hard to imagine strapping uh, some flexible thing on your leg. Like, I, I think we talked about the graffiti and there's others coming. Um, that would give you a tactile image of uh, whatever a, a, a camera that you were somehow wearing. Yeah, yeah. And you'd have to learn to interpret that with some other part of your body, yeah. Right, right. Hopefully with a free hand. Um, I mean, of course, you've seen these things where people have done it with their tongue and on their back, but... Yes, yeah. You know, I think you need... Well, yeah, there's a lot of specifics to get into and with the hard... Starting with the hardware, <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really kind of... Uh, once I get back in the saddle again, I'm, I'm really going to try to um, sort of work in that direction... Well, it amazes me to see how far those technologies have come in just the past couple of years. I mean, yeah, if I absolutely. look at my phone these days and the image recognition that's built in, I mean, a lot of our friends send around texts with pictures. Oh, look yeah. at the beautiful scene I saw this morning. And it used to be that I would just hear image on the screen. Now it's telling me man walking by a stream holding a sign that says so-and-so that you get a fair amount of detail. You do. And now with that screen recognition feature to go along with that in iOS, that can make the difference on a lot of applications as well that would otherwise be inaccessible. So this is what's going through your mind as you're remodeling houses these days, I guess, and cogitating on all this. You have it ready for when it's time to start implementing some of this. That's right. Well, you know, you have to prepare ahead of time. You got to get things all gelled up and <laughs> gelled up and ready to, uh, to to go. You were essentially self-taught in all these programming and technology areas then? Um, I took a couple of programming classes in college. I uh, took uh, PL1, <laughs> which is no longer even a language. And a few a few classes, but I was my yeah self-taught. Um, still, and in fact, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with guided teaching, of course. But the, now with the internet and YouTube, um, uh, it's so much easier to, be, to learn new things than it was back in the '80s, as you well know. 
Oh, it really is. I, I'm amazed. You know, when I think about when I first learned C, I read through Kernigan and Ritchie in Braille, yep. which fortunately <laughs> the National Braille Press put together. But these days, if I want to learn some new programming language or develop some programs, I go on the internet. You can often find short little templates that'll get you started, the manual yep. pages for all of the commands. It's a lot easier than having to look these things up in a Braille book or even electronically. Sample code, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and now the the new editors with this IntelliSense and being able to look up all this stuff in context, it's it's pretty amazing. Well, you know, you talked about writing all this and using AI to do some of these things. And it also occurs to me that programming has changed massively over the years. And I think of AI, that's got to be another big step. Yeah, and I'll be the first to admit, I know very little about it right now, but I'm planning on working with some uh, partners and so at some various institutions that can um, help make this happen much more efficiently than I can. And, you know, I'm not too old a dog to learn either. <laughs> that is true, if you're used to learning. Well, I've always found those are the best programmers and technologists are the people that went through the sweat of learning it themselves and also people that enjoy it and they just play around with it. Absolutely. And, and you know, even with modern languages like C and C++, if you know assembly language, you see how they're doing that. And it, it even gives it that much more meaning for you. It makes it that much easier. Yeah. If you have a logical mind, you know how these things are organized and they all kind of make sense. Yep. Absolutely. So you mentioned being involved in a number of projects in APH. You touched just about every technology that came out of there from the book port to braille displays to programs for learning. What was your most fun project that you worked on there? Can you name one that stood out for you? You know, there's very few that I didn't thoroughly enjoy, but I think if one of them had to stand out, it would probably be Nearby Explorer. That's the navigation system for people who don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I think one of the things I really liked about it is we got to work. There was a lot of people involved with it, a lot of programmers, a lot of people uh, selling the uh, idea of indoor navigation, us making a lot of field trips. And, uh, you know, I, actually, I used the thing today. Uh, one of the things I'm doing in retirement is, uh, you know, trying to do a lot of walking and uh, just just no destination. <laughs> and uh, I, I use Nearby Explorer to give me the house numbers that I'm walking by and uh, distances to the intersections. I just need to get it to tell me where the low branches are and I'll be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what the AI is for, though, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully it learns that when it sees a low branch, it should duck. <laughs> right. <laughs> It'll be a little hand on your shoulder that pushes you this way and that way, right? It could be, yeah. A little gyroscope or something, yeah. So this was an auspicious time to retire with all this COVID thing, as you mentioned. Well, yeah, that's the the one downside of it. Um, I, we had planned on doing a lot of traveling. I was uh, really planning on going back to the... Uh, Czech Republic this uh, this year uh, and last year, but probably we're going to have to wait for another year or two on that one. And what is your connection to the Czech Republic? Do you have relatives there? 
Yeah, my my family's from there. My my uh, grandfather immigrated in the early 1900s, and uh, huh. my sisters and I went there a couple of years ago and met uh, one of our cousins. And it's so weird to think that they grew up in the whole communist regime, and this guy's young enough that you know the communism had come and gone <laughs> when he grew up there. <laughs> so it's just such a different contrast yeah, the world has certainly been changing a lot more rapidly than it used to 100 years ago oh my goodness yes yeah it's a riot isn't it <laughs> yeah so anything else stories that you want to tell of retirement that we may have missed well, I think, like I say, the main thing I, I really have come to appreciate is not having to hurry and the opportunity to um, look into new things. I, I've got an old uh, Peugeot tandem bike sitting in my garage here that a friend of mine traded to me in 1992, and uh, he traded me an ASAP program for it. <laughs> And I have very rarely gotten to ride it. So I'm planning on getting that thing on the road. It's a classic now. <laughs> and I'm thinking about maybe getting into the rowing club over at U of L um, and um, maybe even taking some classes at U of L just doing, um, just doing stuff that I never had time to do before. Just enjoying life, uh, you know, to hopefully I can live it in my next uh, well, 20, 30, 40 years, however long I got left. Well, that is great. Staying physically active and intellectually active. Sounds like you should have a long and enjoyable retirement. I sure hope so, Pete. <laughs> you are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Now for this week's final item... How to learn more about the American Printing House for the Blind, where Larry Scutkan spent most of his career contributing to a variety of access technology products, and how to contact Larry directly. If people wanted to connect with you, is there a way they could do that? If they had questions, you could help them through retirement or even some technology <laughs> questions? Well, I'm pretty green on the retirement, but I'd be glad to try, but definitely the technology stuff. Uh, yeah, I've got the same old email address I've had. Well, here's part of my life that uh, we didn't mention, I, <laughs> the Blind Cool Tech podcast. So my email is still blindcooltech at gmail.com. I was going to ask you if you still did the Blind Cool Tech podcast. That was a good podcast. No, nope, I did it for um, hmm, six, seven years, but... Back then, it was unique. It's, it's not anymore. And if you want to learn more about the American Printing House for the Blind, you can visit their website at www.aph.org. And they're a great resource for all kinds of adaptive equipment, technologies, educational equipment for younger people, K through 12. And as usual, we'll have links to all of that information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. We'll also have links to some previous episodes where we talked with Larry Scootcan. That's it for show number 2122. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the great outdoors. Lawrence Gunther is host of the podcast Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. 
The podcast is a mix of interesting facts about our environment and outdoor activities and includes interviews with blind people who enjoy the outdoors. We'll talk with Lawrence, who is blind himself, about the podcast, as well as about his own adventures in nature. And this is certainly the time of year when people should be thinking about getting outdoors and enjoying the outdoors more. So this is a great podcast that you'll want to hear. We hope you'll join us next week for that episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.